The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Hello and welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast with your host, metaphysician, Reiki master, and hypnotherapist, Christy Clemens Hoffman. Each week, we will discover teachings, tips, and tools to radiate your best life ever with practitioners, authors, and luminaries to help you on your path. Wellness, joy, peace, abundance. What do you want to radiate? Hello and welcome back to the Radiate Wellness Podcast where we radiate spiritual intelligence. And I'm joined by author Mark Vernon who wrote a book, Spiritual Intelligence in Seven Steps. Pretty easy. Nice. Well, thank you for joining me today, Mark. This, this hey, look, well, thanks for inviting me on. I hope we can uh, illuminate the subject and bring some of its brilliance to our conversation. Oh, I'm so excited. Well, you know, I have to say, let's just start off. You've This is like, what, the third book you've written? Uh, actually, I've written quite a few books. Um, uh, but m- most recently, um, the last three or four have been quite squarely on sort of spiritual themes um dante and the, the the mystical side of christianity and now addressing spiritual intelligence okay i'm going to ha- definitely have to have you back on to discuss some of these other books because those are fascinating topics um all right so let's dig into spiritual intelligence in seven steps seven steps really wow okay so let's start with how you define spiritual intelligence I think one way of doing it is by saying how it's different from other kinds of intelligence. So emotional intelligence is often talked about these days, and that's the ability to have empathy, to know how to navigate your inner life, the inner lives of others, and how to connect at the felt level. And sometimes actually spiritual intelligence is lumped in with emotional intelligence. It's kind of emotional intelligence plus purpose or plus meaning. But I think spiritual intelligence is something different. It's it's not so much a kind of know-how, know-how to do relating, or know-how to do, say, logic, if it's rational intelligence you're talking about. It's more a kind of know that. It's knowing that there is a ground or a basis from which all our vitality, intelligence, and so on springs. Um, and so it's given many names in different traditions. Um, I, I call it the spiritual commons. And the idea there is that there's this, a bit like the sun that you know radiates on all beings, regardless of whether they want it, whether they're worthy of it, how they respond to it and so on. I think there's a kind of inner light um, that we can all align to. And that's what spiritual intelligence enables us to do, to kind of know that it's there and then know that our lives are part of its life and that we can flourish more by tuning in more and more with our spiritual intelligence. Wow. Wow. Now, your background, you're a psychotherapist and commentator as well as an an author. And yes, you have, I saw you've written several, several books. Um, So what, how do you feel your psychology background contributes to this spiritual intelligence. Yeah, well, my interest in spiritual intelligence partly arose um, from the psychotherapeutic work um, and returning to actually a problem that has been long recognized in psychotherapy, even Sigmund Freud discussed it, which is how you know when psychotherapy comes to an end. When is, you know, there are enough When's enough psychotherapy? And and actually, this isn't just a uh, an issue for psychotherapy. Um, all sorts of workshops, um, you know, wellness pursuits, um, religious pursuits too. Um, you know, church going, temple going. Um, if you're not careful, you can get sort of caught in a cycle where you keep repeating more or less the same thing time and time again. And there's always, as it were, another stone to unturn in the psyche, um, always another technique to practice to see what it brings. Um, but 
is there an end to this? And, and by end, I don't necessarily mean that it stops, but that it has a, a wider goal than just itself. And I think that's what spiritual intelligence tells us, that if you like, we we need to work on ourselves. Um, but whilst part of working on oneself is to maybe bring more peace or contentment, even happiness into life, another goal for that is to enable us not to be so preoccupied with ourselves in the small sense. And then we can start to see a wider world, a wider life. And psychotherapy can help do that very much because it can help us understand what's happened to us in the past, say, or how we're repeating things in the present. And then with that insight, you're able to just to let go a bit of what is most immediately probably bothering you and start to feel a wider life in the spaces around that emerge and spiritual intelligence is alert to that um it's you know it's it's, it's the feeling of timelessness and um, rather than just being on a sort of repeat loop in your life mm -hmm. right i mean we just as we could get along without emotional intelligence and many people i think do we could get along without spiritual intelligence but what does the spiritual intelligence bring to our lives? It, it, it grounds things, it, it roots things. Um, I mean, it, people do obviously get along, certainly without thinking about spiritual intelligence and maybe even without it. But I think that, for example, rampant consumerism is one result of a life without spiritual intelligence. Because instead of knowing that there's an all that can be shared and participated in around us. It thinks that the way to live is just to have more and more and more and more stuff. Um, and so, you know, the life that's the, the pursuit of accumulation rather than participation um, powerfully dominates in the Western world, I think, because we've lost, certainly at a social level, a sense of spiritual intelligence, which our forebears, you know, clearly had. Right, right. Now, um, is spiritual intelligence, is this an innately human thing? I, I think it certainly is innate to human beings. Um, I think that other homo species before us, like homo neanderthals, um, probably had a form of spiritual intelligence as well, um, perhaps a little bit less conscious um, than homo homo sapiens but i imagine that all animals creatures maybe even um plants as well have it in their own way um perhaps as instinct perhaps as the unconscious sharing in life um but somehow you wouldn't say no but nonetheless somehow do sharing that vitality that's the source of all vitality um you know it's why you can feel um the inner life of a creature for example but also the presence of 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 a forest um they have something palpable about them as well and that is because i think they're another manifestation of what spiritual intelligence knows the difference for us is that we can talk about it we know about it in a self-conscious way and so can explore it in a more active, engaged way. Right, right. How do you feel spiritual intelligence um, guides human evolution, or does it? I, I mean, I think it's the distinctive feature of human evolution. And it's not just me saying this. I think actually that there is real evidence coming out of evolutionary science now. Really? Um, that, well, the, the, the standard big history, as they're called, um for homo sapiens is one that's stripped of the spiritual it's very utilitarian it's all about adaption and survival and there's a number of very big selling books that tell this story but there's a new science coming through and again it's not actually even that marginal i was um involved in a project with a professor of at oxford university called robin dunbar um, who's pursuing this and there's um, other scientists as well and what they're arguing is that actually um, our our curiosity our felt awareness of inner life was absolutely seminal 
to Homo sapiens um, with their emergence, you know, 200,000 years ago, say, and that it was, for example, the use of fire, not just to keep warm, um, but the realization that with fire, we could not just be confined to the night and day as controlled, if you like, or as brought about by the rising and setting of the sun, but that we could begin to have light in the otherwise dark parts of the day. And that is a very fascinating power um, to be able to start to shape and mold the day and the night. Um, it, it invites you to think about, you know, what are you doing? Is this a power that belongs to the gods? Um, or is it one that human beings can share in, co-create with in some way? And where are the limits? Where are the dangers um, of this divine-like um, power that we have? And, you know, hence, um, as far back as we can see, Homo sapiens have always told myths. They've always had rituals. Um, they've always regarded some things as holy and sacred and therefore you know, needing to be related to with care and things like fire are always at the start of that. Um, so I think this is evidence that that engagement with life was central and fundamental to Homo sapiens going all the way back. And as I say, you know, some evolutionary scientists are now really onto this and realizing that the, the sort of dead materialist accounts don't really do the job. Interest. This is fascinating um so we've mentioned the the evolutionary science but what about biological science does that indicate a spiritual intelligence as well i mean i guess that biology is more straightforwardly defined without in spiritual intelligence you know that the so-called natural sciences physics chemistry and biology um, are inclined to operate with that already stripped out um but um when you <laughs> when you think about what the biological sciences have got to describe much like what the physical sciences have got to describe things look, start to look much more porous around the edges and so if you think about evolution again evolution is normally told as the kind of random mutations at the genetic level that the biological organism then um, either incorporates because they're selected for survival or um, discards because um, they don't aid survival. Um, but evolution is not so random as it seems. Um, for example, many features of very different biological organisms actually repeat. And one of the best known examples now is that we human beings have binocular vision, binocular eyes with lenses and, um, and retinas at the back and so on. And they're almost identical to look at as octopus eyes. Um, and yet they evolved along completely different pathways. Um, and a, another really important, I think, um, professor at Cambridge University this time of evolutionary science called Simon Conway Morris. He and now many others have um, have identified, I think, even tens of thousands of these so-called convergences, where very different evolutionary pathways lead to the same biological solutions. Mm -hmm. Another another really fun one is that um, um, saber-toothed tigers, um, you know, which you probably drew when you were at school. Um, well, there's at least seven different types of saber-toothed tiger that evolve completely independently across evolutionary time. And yet those teeth appeared because they, you know, they do a good job biologically in a certain kind of way. And that's all very well for the physical organism. I'm getting there. There's a bit of a long explanation. <laughs> and that's all very well for the physical organism. But for we human beings, you know, part of our evolution is also our, our mental life, our inner life. Right. Um, and we have a sense for what's good, beautiful and true, for example, and we long to be part of groups and societies and we use language in order to communicate. These are, are not these are immaterial facets of our evolution. And someone like Simon Conway Morris would say that that, too, is as much a convergence, a kind of meeting the wider reality 
Um, and so the upshot is that evolution, even biological evolution, can be seen as a kind of search engine. This is sometimes how it's put, that's exploring nature, exploring reality. And we're doing that quite as much with our inner lives and our immaterial um, delights, such as talking, such as longing for what's good and beautiful and true, um, as physical elements within ourselves. And so I think as well that as a more enriched biological story of who we are gets told, so the spiritual element will become part of that. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm just fascinated. This, this is so interesting to me. Um, okay, so spiritual intelligence, we understand more of what that is, how we're, we've, got, it sounds almost like we've got a human drive toward it anyway, and part of our development and evolution. Um, is, is, so is spiritual intelligence, is it religious? It's certainly become religious in many, many cases. Yeah, I, um, I think that um, the way that this is studied in deep human history is um, not through formal religions, um, which, you know, didn't really exist until relatively recently, um, you know, maybe the last two or three thousand years, um, but through ritual and through myth, through um, those various facets that get, sort of drawn together and and tied up in one particular religion you know so religion like christianity um is um a whole bunch of rituals a whole bunch of myths that are given a kind of coherence around the story a grand story of of the one gods coming to humankind in human form and so on um, but before those those big stories that we would call religion were brought together um all sorts of practices often associated with places um, would have coexisted, um, you know, and you still get that a bit. I mean, um, if you read the older bits of the Hebrew Bible, um, you know, Yahweh is said to live on Mount Zion mm -hmm. um, with the implication that if you in another place at a different mountain, there'd be a different God there. And I think that's a very old intuitive way of experiencing the spiritual um that as human society has got bigger um, and the means of um talking about these things even has kind of spread and cohered so religion as we tend to think of it has formed so it's just the latest manifestation if you like of spiritual intelligence fascinating okay um so how can we develop spiritual intelligence i mean is it really as simple as seven steps so the seven steps in my book are they're they're really kind of looking at seven aspects of our experience or domains of our lives so things like virtue things like time things like death um i, I really feel that any wisdom tradition worth its soul has got to be able to have an understanding of death um, something about practices, something about the big story we tell ourselves. And, and all these facets look very different when considered in the light, in the light of spiritual intelligence. You know, so, so one obvious one would be the, the experience of time. Um, time tends to be controlled by chronological time these days, a very practical um, and useful way of thinking about time. Um, it means that we can meet even in different countries if we fix the time right. So it's, it's got its uses. But a spiritual interest in time is not so much interested in the tick, tick, tick of the clock, but what's the importance of the moment? Is there something that might be released in the now? And so it, it encourages a different focus on time, um, a sort of vertical experience of time rather than the horizontal tick, tick, tick of the clock. Um, and so it's by thinking about things like time in different ways and then practicing how we experience it differently that our spiritual intelligence can be nurtured. Right. Oh, very, very interesting. So it can be developed. Um, and why would, perhaps I've asked this before, but why would someone want to develop their spiritual intelligence? Yeah, well, it's related to, you know, what we've, 
um, been discussing already, um, if it's innate to being human, then without it, the sense of being human is going to start to thin out. Um, and, uh, you know, I think this really matters nowadays because our world is increasingly being shaped by artificial intelligence and this very efficient, rational, pattern-spotting kind of intelligence, and it's got great benefits. Um, but the risk is that the world becomes so shaped by artificial intelligence that we kind of forget that we've got other ways of engaging with life. We kind of get out of practice or um, our daily lives tend to exclude it. And so cultivating and just becoming more aware of this different way of experiencing life and engaging with things, um, I think it's going to be increasingly important for us to remain human, in fact, um, and not feel that um, we're getting drawn more and more into a machine-like existence. Yeah. You know, as far as artificial intelligence and, and pattern spotting and pattern um, you know, manipulating. I feel like that that is the heart of intelligence, noticing the patterns and putting them together in different ways. But, you know, having someone just kind of codifying it and putting it in an artificial way is a bit frightening. And it's like, wait a minute, you're taking some of my innate intelligence here and proving that it's not just innate to me. So yeah, that's fair, fair, fair point. Right. Um, so, you know, of course, we've got so many challenges today. So how could spiritual intelligence help us with that COVID and um, war and culture wars and politics? How can spiritual intelligence help us with that? Yeah, I mean, the quick answer is I think that spiritual intelligence always becomes aware of like another dimension on problems and challenges that face us. And so brings space um, and room for maneuver so take something like the pandemic, like COVID. Um, I became very aware that certainly in the UK, the response to the pandemic was almost wholly medical. And we treated it as a great challenge to medical science and that suffering and death therefore needed to be approached through medical means. And clearly there's huge benefit in that. Um, I don't decry that at all, but it's not enough. For we human beings because we bring anxiety and stress and concern and then existential questions and we start asking you know what's our society for and so on and going to um, the emergency room or going to a doctor with those kind of things it just overloads health services you know which we we saw during the pandemic and i think what this showed up for us is that when we haven't got other ways of negotiating, relating to, um, deepening our sense of suffering and death, um, we suffer even more um, because the medical science that we turn to can't deliver on that level. Um, and so I, you know, very, I've, I've worked in hospitals in the UK as a psychotherapist, and um, it, it became very, very evident to me during the pandemic that doctors too are saying we need to think about death and suffering in other ways not just by demanding cures great as though they can be of course i don't knock that um and so the meaningful side even of death we've become you know rather poor on that i think in the modern world um, and so i'd hope that a notion like spiritual intelligence might help us to consider that again Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, our, our history, our, this history of civilization, civilizations had pandemics, wars, famines, uh, all types of things to challenge our, our thoughts of mortality. And um, we haven't had anything like that in modern memory. And having to have that come up again, it's like, well, we really need to, to learn this. We need to master this concept in order to evolve more fully. Wonderful answer. Um, so, of course, in your psychotherapy pro, um, practice, how do you employ spiritual intelligence? How do you use that or inform with it? It's about how you listen often, actually. I mean, a lot of psychotherapy is about listening and then you listen with your body and your heart as well as with your, your head and your empirical senses. Um, and try and 
feel into where there's the energy that feels like it's got stuck or it's trying to reveal more um you know maybe this comes up in dreams images the way that people talk the reactions in the room and at one level you listen in for where the problems might be and so first of all kind of clarify the source of anxiety or the source of depression and that can be quite liberating in itself actually um but with spiritual intelligence you're listening for the more um you know you're listening for maybe the ways that people are reaching out for a side of life that's not just about their everyday problems but is about the greater meaning in their lives or or even more interestingly when you know something perhaps a bit more eternal is experienced in the room or when something that they feel they're receiving or maybe being called by um you know this can come up in dreams when dreams aren't just a reworking of of yesterday's anxieties but seem to have a bit more of an archetypal theme um and so you listen out watch out for that and then um the spiritual intelligence says this matters it's not always clear the way in which it matters but nonetheless you do well to pay attention to it so it's a kind of listening perceiving with the inner eye you know with with the sense of the heart beyond just pure emotion the ups and downs into a, a sort of deeper more settled kind of felt experience mm. You know, I think this is so missing in our healthcare systems, especially the American healthcare system, which just really, and in the mental health system too, it's just so missing because we can look at the biology of a plant or of an animal and we can say, okay, well, there's, this is going on. This is how you treat it. This is how you resolve it. But there's, we're so much more complex than that. And we need to be looking at the greater, um, you know, it's so interesting, Mark, because the last the last episode that I recorded just today, right before you, it was on um, the, basically a guide to holistic health. But it was more than that, looked at diet, um, uh, like our immune response, but also meditation, the chakra system, numerology bringing all of these things in, we are so much more complex than just our biology. And this is, this is so interesting. Hi there. Sorry to interrupt. I just wanted to tell you about a very special event that we have coming up with Radiate Wellness. This is the inner journey, discovering your soul's path, three-day spiritual and metaphysical retreat. This is an immersive experience, March 31st, to April 2nd. So it's all inclusive. So that's lodging, meals, snacks, and wonderful workshops. So what are the workshops that we have coming up? First, we're going to be doing a sound healing concert with Susan Walter, who's a visionary angel artist and angel communicator who paints beautiful angel portraits and she'll be leading us in a sound healing concert with crystal bowls and there will be energy work alongside that sound healing we're going to be doing a group qhht session that is quantum healing hypnosis technique with me christy and we will visit one past life and one potential future life just to look at the arc of your soul and your soul's purpose we will also be connecting to your inner self and your intentions for 2023. We'll be doing energy workshops and energy healing workshops. We will do a meditation to meet your angel or angels and learn how to work with them. We will also have a special guest from Switzerland, from Geneva, Switzerland, Mary Jane Stodenman will be joining us to talk about your soul's journey with astrology. So our leaders for this retreat are myself, Christy Clemens Hoffman, Kathy Lesmeister, who's another one of our wonderful practitioners with Radiate Wellness, Susan Walter, who is a Kansas City-based visionary artist and sound bowl enthusiast, as well as Mary Jane Stodenman, Tarot master and astrology uh, teacher. 
in Switzerland. So all of these events are all covered under one price. And there is an early bird special. You can save $100 on this retreat until January 31st, 2023. And then regular registration uh, continues afterward. And again, that will be a, a $100 discount up until January 31st. You can find out more information and register at radiatewellnesscommunity.com. It's right at the top of the homepage. Hope to see you there. Did you know that Radiate Wellness is more than just a podcast? That's right. We're also a comprehensive holistic wellness practice. Find out about our services, practitioners, and upcoming events at radiatewellnesscommunity.com. While you're there, visit our podcast page to read more about our great guests and even donate to the podcast. If you like our podcast, you can help in other ways as well, like subscribe or follow us wherever you're listening right now. Tell a friend, a family member, or a co-worker about the great content you find here. And if you wouldn't mind, please give us a thumbs up, a five-star rating, or a positive review. Sounds like a small thing, but it really helps. You might like to know about our Facebook communities while we're at it. We have a free community, the Radiate Wellness Community, on Facebook for news and great free content. Our subscribers group is Radiate U, as in the letter U, but also, well, you. There you'll find curated replays of past classes, guest interviews, and more. And now, back to our podcast and back to our guest. Um, so without giving too much away, could, because I want people to read this book, I think it's important. Could we go over the seven steps just kind of briefly? Yeah, well, we've touched on sort of three or four of them already, so we well, can bring them together. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and one is, the first one is telling the big story of ourselves right. Because um, if we tell a very utilitarian kind of survival-only story, then we'll tend to think of ourselves in that way, and that um, tends to collapse life to a struggle or survival of the fittest. Um, which suits the materialist world, um, but doesn't suit being human. And so I think we need to tell this different big story. Homo spiritualis we are, you might say, not just homo right. sapiens. Right. Um, then the second one relates to this because it's about the nature of our freedom. Um, again, we tend to think of freedom in rather narrow ways nowadays, as if it's just freedom of choice or freedom of expression. And, and those are important things. But what gets missed is what's this freedom for? And ultimately, I think that we human beings are free to align with the spiritual commons through our spiritual intelligence. And so it gives freedom a purpose, in fact, And um, when you think about it in that way. Um, then the third is considering what, what you regard as the nature of reality. You know, is it just random, meaningless, jumble, um, or is there good evidence, as well as the insights of deep traditions that suggest there is a coherence, there's a kind of simplicity even that runs through all things that's really necessary when life gets feels like it gets more and more complex and speeds up? Can you align with a kind of inner spiritual compass um, that, that helps you navigate the everyday? That's the third. Um, the fourth um, is to do with this business about um, therapy, church going even you know kind of um the new age workshops the the huge variety of work you can do on your soul um but how does the soul settle into a wider spirit so i keep going please, <laughs> that, that, was number four. that was number four and number <laughs> five um has to do with death so thinking about the meaning of death and all the great traditions tell us that actually death is a portal um you know it's it's not um, an end, but it's an end that's a new beginning. And so how can we know something about that? Not so much just at the end, but practice that in our lives even. Um, then thinking about um, virtue. And the point about virtue is that 
is not just that we behave well, but that it helps us to become more open to reality and to resonate with reality more and more. So, for example, I think of humility not as putting yourself last, but putting yourself in the position that, like the sea, into which everything can flow, so the whole of life can flow into you. It's a kind of quality of openness. So it's thinking about those. And then finally, um, the seventh step is to do with time and thinking about this kairos time, as it's sometimes put, or eternity, and not just chronos time. Right. Okay, fascinating. And it really does, I, I'm getting such a bigger picture of spiritual intelligence and what it is, because it does... Uh, go into every aspect of our reality, which is something I wanted to, uh, I was thinking about with step four is, I'm sorry, with uh, step three, seeing reality is simple and the role of the quantum in that. The, you know, in my faith, which is unity, which was founded here in the Kansas City area, um, and now it's a worldwide movement, but one of our principles, one of our five basic principles is that we create our reality with our thoughts and beliefs. Um, yeah. What would you say is the role of the quantum and thoughts and beliefs in spiritual intelligence? Well, I mean, I did a physics degree actually at one point as an undergraduate. And okay. one of the things that really struck me about um, particularly the early founders of quantum theory. And when you say quantum, you're you're thinking about quantum theory. Right, yes, of course. Just check, just check, yeah. Well, the, they started to realize that reality was stranger than the traditional physics had accounted for. And actually, when they were trying to understand this strangeness, as well as doing the maths and doing the, the, the experiments and so on, many of the great early founders of quantum theory were deeply informed by mystical traditions. Um, figures like Werner Heisenberg, Owen Schrodinger, um, Dirac, um, even Einstein in his own way was informed by a kind of mystical Judaism. Oh. And they used those positions in order to try to understand the physics. Um, and um, that, I think, is why the new physics um, seems so commensurate with mystical traditions. Um, it's not so much that physicists are proving matters of spirit, but that matters of spirit can illuminate the physics. Um, and so I find that very fascinating. Yes, the physics illuminates the the spiritual right i mean they don't have to be mutually exclusive at all you yeah know, well i mean at the end of the day it is one reality um and um you know there's a huge um sort of tendency um or uh um intuition that reality must add up in some way um, you know, science works on this premise. Um, physics is related to chemistry, is related to biology. Um, the assumption is that whilst it can get very complex at any particular level, it adds up to something coherent. Um, and that too is a spiritual perception. Um, you know, it's very closely associated, particularly with monotheistic traditions, of course, um, where um, there can be many manifestations of the divine, but they're all manifestations of the one divine. Right. Okay. So, um, theistic traditions. What do you feel is the role of the God, the figurehead, in spiritual intelligence? So, I think that that God is both transcendent, but also deeply imminent. Um, it's both things at the same time. So. You know, there is um, a God that uh, is, as it were, the origin, the source, the wellspring continually of the cosmos, of creation. And um, the divine presence, therefore, is sort of uh, bigger than the cosmic reality um, because it's the origin of that. But because it, the divine is also a wellspring or a source, um, the divine is also present in every single part of that cosmos. Um, as some mystics put it, you know, God is closer to us than we are to ourselves. And spiritual intelligence, therefore, is aware of the divine presence most imminently within us. 
as well as most splendidly without. Um, and it's 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 both aspects that I think spiritual intelligence understands and can see how that's not actually a contradiction, but comes together. Okay, this is very interesting. We, we could, I could talk about this all day long. Um, so what do you hope readers get out of this book? I, I hope um, it's a book that um, at one level helps people just tune in a bit more from the, in their own experience um, to the nature of the spiritual, the spiritual commons, um, partly quite practically um, in terms of the everyday, but also more culturally and socially, um, because I think that we need to understand these things much better at the collective level as well as at the individual level. Um, you know, it's very hard to live a coherent life when in one moment you're in a, a sort of spiritual zone and then the next moment in a very material zone. And, and uh, it, it's part, I think, of the sense of feeling fragmented and um, and alienated from life. Um, so it's, it's a book, you might say, that does do some telling, but I hope does as much showing um, by telling these stories, by exploring what a variety of spiritual adepts have said from across many traditions, in fact, um, but also telling the stories of some people's lives and drawing on my own experience as well. Interesting. And so um, do you think an atheist, for example, would get something out of this book and the, the, the notion of spiritual intelligence in the first place? Yeah, um, an atheist could. Um, the, the, the person who probably couldn't is the very strict scientific materialist. Um, you know, the person that really thinks that physics is the only is the beginning and end, as it were, of all descriptions of reality. Um, they're clearly not going to like the idea of spiritual intelligence. Um, but, you know, there's this new category of the knowns that statisticians talk about a lot. Um, the No particular religion, the spiritual but not religious, um, that's a growing proportion of society, both in the US and in the UK. Um, and, and, and many people in that category, whilst maybe even saying they're atheistic, do have a spiritual sense. They realize that their inner lives um, are more than just you know hormones and neurons firing. Um, meaning is not described by hormones and neurons. And there's something else going on as well. So I hope that spiritual intelligence is a broader interest for many people. Right, right. Because it's really just this, it's the search for meaning in many different ways. And uh, hopefully even people who are just strictly science-based will have some curiosity about the meaning behind everything. Very fascinating. Um, so you've got this this website I'm looking at. It's markvernon.com. And you've got so many blog uh, blog articles and other articles, um, upcoming events. Do you have anything else on the on the horizon that you want to talk about? Well, I'm talking about spiritual intelligence. I mean, I, I have a YouTube channel as well and try to put talks and thoughts um, up on that, uh, conversations with others a bit like mm -hmm. you do as well. Um, and um, I'm particularly interested in the moment in William Blake. Um, I live in South London and William Blake is our local mystic. Um, and so um, understanding what William Blake was going on about, I think might really matter now as well. So um, mm -hmm. someone who clearly had spiritual intelligence, but what did it tell him? And, and why did he produce the poetry and the and the art that he did as a result? I mean, the same could be studied with any artist, any writer, any playwright, musician, you know, composer. Um, so this is a never-ending topic. In fact, um, I was just involved this past summer with an art exhibition. It's called The Great Gossamer of 2022. Of course, it was originally supposed to be the Great Gossamer of 2020, but we know what happened. And uh, this was an art exhibition of the the nexus, the space between art and spirituality. And I was invited to come and give an address on that. And um, there was also an astrologer who gave an address, um, and various mystics, a shaman, um, 
and so various people coming to talk about that and many many of the artists had had near-death experiences and the spirituality behind that i mean this is a deep topic that touches about every aspect of our life yeah so you know bringing together these different experiences and asking you know what do they suggest about the nature of reality what are what are not just what are the sort of experiential common threads um but can we with this more intuitive or inspirational imaginative capacity that we have um start to connect to reality in different ways you know so that they're not just um peak experiences or strange experiences or moments that we hope to return to um but can become a reality that for example the artist can convey um and so help us to live with it day by day not just rather randomly as and when it you know sort of seems to show up mm, interesting now this might seem like an off-the-wall question but it just popped into my head um how can we bring more spiritual intelligence to religion mm. especially the way the religion is tends to be done here in the united states very evangelical very uh literal interpretation interpretations of the bible how can we sprinkle some more spiritual intelligence into this yeah i mean it's a it's a challenge even in the uk um where many many fewer people go to church but nonetheless the way often church shows up in the uk actually is that it's got a great social concern um so it's very um preoccupied with questions of justice which clearly are important and good questions to ask but it's surprising how little there is on say personal development um in uk church going and i think that this sort of sense that religion's mostly about moral concerns um and with all these kind of red lines in the sand um this is a reduction of the spiritual to the moral um and it makes people feel a bit safe more safe or secure um because you know you can say this is right that's wrong and as long as you're more or less doing what's right you can feel you're on the right side um of your religion and so in a very unsettled and uncertain world i think that's why particularly these moral certainties are kind of really sought and preached um, and offered to people um, but the trouble is that they're abstractions from life you know life is always more complicated than any particular moral scheme can tell you useful though it might be and so spiritual intelligence is about becoming more open to reality as it comes to us um, as it confuses us as it disturbs us um, as well as as it delights us and so i would say to people you know of course go to church i go to church myself um, but don't just as it were follow the program ask yourself you know what am i experiencing here what do i yearn for here and um, what feels like it can't be brought into this space um, and all those extra elements might take you you know more closely to your humanity as it's actually lived um, rather than as you feel it should be lived or ought to be lived or um you know is lived when it's sieved of that which isn't acceptable to one religion or another fascinating again i could talk about this subject all day long um is there anything that you feel we haven't covered anything that you would hope our listeners would take away from this discussion that we haven't discussed yet i mean we've 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 talked about a lot for which thanks um uh, i guess that you know part of the hope from my book is that um it does weave together um both personal perception and practice but also what's coming out of the quarters of science um even evolutionary science which is sometimes seen as antithetical to religion um there's a much richer story going on i think um in these domains and by just searching it out that little bit more than perhaps you might read in the average newspaper um you start to see that notions like spiritual intelligence are not at loggerheads with the modern world but are part and parcel i think of of who we can be and and what we might be becoming mm -hmm. absolutely i think to me it's living our 
living life in a more connected and intentional way. And, you know, for me, the spiritual informs every single aspect of my life. So, yeah. Yeah, no, just trying something small that like, you know, lighting a candle or um, bowing to something, these these small embodied gestures can make a huge difference. You feel a world opening up before you. Fascinating. All right, so I, I, I need to have you back on again. So I hope you can have some time in your schedule to sit down and talk again because there's so much to, to discuss and bring to light. Mark Vernon, thank you so much for joining me today. This is wonderful. Um, the website again is markvernon.com. And the book again is, um, pulling up the title here, Spiritual Intelligence in Seven Steps. It really is that simple, but also that vast. All right. Thank you so much for joining me today, Mark. I really appreciate it. Hey, look, thank you for inviting me on. It's been very nice to talk. Radiate Wellness is an international community of holistic and alternative healers dedicated to helping you create spiritual, energetic, and physical well-being. To learn more about our practitioners, services, classes, and events, or to schedule an appointment, visit us at radiatewellnesscommunity.com. If you're inspired by the teachings of Dr. Wayne Dyer, you will love the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast with Nadia Dela Cruz. You are a spiritual being having a human experience. My name is Nadia Dela Cruz, and I started the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast to explore spiritual topics like manifestation and meditation with guests who share their own stories of insight, awakening, and transformation. Listen now on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.